When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show brought to you by Northland Hockey and BetMGM. I'm Michael Trikos and with me as always is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, a tough weekend, uh, dropping two games, one to the Colorado Avalanche and then next day uh, in a postponed start to the Detroit Red Wings. They did not start on time as you might uh, want to joke. There you go. Um, but things get a little hairier for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're going out west. Uh, they've got Edmonton, Calgary, and Seattle. And a month ago, we'd be saying, all right, easy six points to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But no, those three teams you mentioned, the Oilers, Flames, and Kraken are three of the hottest teams right now. So how important is this road trip for the Toronto Maple Leafs with the underlying narrative that, you know, Sheldon Keefe's job in, I'm kind of, uh, it seems like this is a weekly debate. Um, he might be on thin ice again. I think it is a crucial road trip. Okay. And Edmonton, if they lose to Edmonton, hey, what are you going to do? It's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Evan Bouchard's having a fantastic season. Like, the Oilers are a wagon right now. They set a franchise record for win streak, which is pretty incredible because this franchise once had Wayne Gretzky, Mark <laughs> Messier, Yari Curry, Grant Fear, Paul Coffey, all on the same team. So they have a better, they have a longer win streak now than yeah. those 80s Oilers teams. Exactly. So Insane. that's pretty impressive. So if the Leafs lose to the Oilers, fair play. But I do think that you need to get at least three points out of this road trip, mm -hmm. preferably four. Uh, obviously, if you beat the Oilers, that's a fantastic start. But there does seem to be this kind of malaise that is set upon the Leafs. And coming into the season, they were a Stanley Cup contender. You know, we talked about Carolina. We talked about Edmonton. We talked about Dallas, you know, Vegas, Toronto, Colorado, uh, all sort of in that area. It just hasn't been a very impressive year for the Leafs. You know, they... They used to be very good defensively. That's gone by the wayside. Goaltending has been a huge mixed bag. Yeah. And without Joseph Wool, they've, you know, I mean, Martin Jones has done some good things. Uh, Samsonov, you know, he, he was fine against Detroit. They didn't get the win for him. I would uh, argue he played well enough for the win. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, and, but he had had his struggles before. They even, you know, waved him at one point to the minors. You got to do something. Uh so I kind of feel like if this is a bad road trip, then it certainly opens the door for Jim Bradshaw Living to say, okay, Keith, you know, Keith was not his guy. He was there when he got here. Mm -hmm. Do you bring in a Craig Berube, a Dean Evason? Do you promote a Guy Boucher? Mm -hmm. I don't think you can go with a new coach because this is a team that should be going for it yep. with their firepower. But... If Keith can't figure this out, I think you do have to pull the trigger. Yeah, it's an interesting debate because we're 
pretty much at the halfway point now. Um, and if you're going to make a move on the coach, which I don't know if we're quite there yet, at the same time, it's not like this team is like a trade away from like turning this malaise into, you know, they're, they're back on top and they're one of the elite teams. And I mm. think that's, that's why you have to make this move or you'd be thinking about this move is, you know, making the playoffs obviously isn't good enough. Just yeah. winning around isn't just good enough. Like the Leafs, you, you have to look at them now saying, okay, I don't know how much longer you can wait yeah. before you're saying that, that window's starting to close. Yeah. These contracts are getting just too arduous now. You know, William Nylander just re-upped. Uh, Austin Matthews is getting so much money. Um, in a couple years, they're going to have to make a decision on Mitch Marner, John Tavares. You really need to win a championship or at least get to the promised land sooner rather than later. And if it's not going to be Keefe, you've got to start looking at, you know, like you mentioned, um, is it a Dean Evason? Is it uh, a Craig Berube? Is it a Joel Quenville? Do you roll the dice on that sort of move? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, th- this is... You know, Bradford Living came in here year one, and a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, Dubas couldn't get the job done. Here's the next GM. Make those kind of hard decisions and mm-hmm. uh, turn this team into not just a Stanley Cup contender, but a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, and I think in terms of expectation, like, the Leafs need to at least get to the conference final. And then the fan base would say, like, okay, well, at that point, you're down to four excellent teams. Anything can happen, mm-hmm. uh, but we've seen progress, you know, because last year it's like, okay, well, they won around. They hadn't done that with this particular group, so that was success. But then they laid an egg against Florida yeah. in what, was, what should have been a winnable series. Um, but we didn't see the template for beating Florida until the Stanley Cup final when Vegas was like, yeah, we will go to the net. <laughs> and uh, that is where the goals are in the playoffs. We will not stay on the perimeter. We will play physical against you. <laughs> we will play physical, and we will go where we want. Uh, yeah. The Leafs didn't figure it out. Carolina didn't figure it out. And they did not win. So I think you at least got to get to the conference final. Obviously, beyond that would be even better for them. But, it, you know, it is to the point where... You're right. It's like you only have a certain window where these guys are in their prime and these contracts of the, you know, the core four keep going up with these extensions and they've earned them, mm-hmm. you know, um, mostly regular season. But well, they're, going, they're setting four guys to the All-Star game. I, I know true. it's in Toronto and yeah. a couple of those guys got in with voting. fan voting, but yeah. I don't care. Like they were legi- no one's arguing that Morgan no, Riley's legit. not a legit all-star this year. For sure. William Nylander's not a legit all-star. Totally. Mitch Marner, okay, maybe you could argue, but the guy, no one's gonna complain that Mitch Marner's at the All-Star game. No, that's so you've a, got that's the you got the pieces there. That's why it was kind of odd. I don't know if you heard the post game from Sheldon Keefe saying like, Hey, we're playing the Colorado Avalanche and when Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr and Devon Tays are on the ice together, it's like you just sit back going, wow, like these guys are just incredible. I'm like, yeah. but you've got Marner, you've got Matthews, you've yeah. got Tavares, Nylander, and Riley. Yeah. Why are you talking about the other team and how, oh, wow, I can't believe how much skill they have. Like, yeah. the pieces are there. Like, I don't know, we could kind of slice and dice and say, you know what, based on the defense, based on the goaltending, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not a legit Stanley Cup caliber contending team. Yeah. You can make that argument, but I don't care. Like, when you've got that match fi- fi- firepower and you're looking at who the Toronto Maple Leafs have to beat to get there, mm-hmm. there's every reason uh, why this should be the year that they kind of go for it. That's why I'm like, 
I know the trade deadline is still, what, we're talking like a month and a half away. Mm. Do you see them being uh, buyers at the deadline, or has this kind of soured your expectations on them? Because right now, they're sitting third in the division. They've got 50 points. They've got games in hand on the teams that are chasing them in the standings, but those teams are only, well, we're talking Detroit, Tampa, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils are only like one to three points back of them. Yeah. My only consideration at this point would be if they can hold out until Joseph Wool returns mm. and see what they're like with him in net as their starter. Because with him as their starter, they were quite good. Right. So... You hope it does settle everything. Yeah, you hope it's sooner than later so that you have, you know, enough time before the trade deadline to assess and say, like, okay, we're not good enough, but if we added one or two pieces, maybe we can do it. Or you say, okay, well, we're in good shape. Let's not mortgage to the future. Let's trust this group and see what we can do. What's, what's at the top of your wish list if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is it a defenseman or is it one of those goaltenders like a, a Kapo Kakinen or Elvis Merzlikens or maybe even a Jacob Markstrom to kind of help solidify the goaltending position? Because, you know, end of the day, Martin Jones has kind of done his job so far yep. um, with what you kind of expected of him, more than just done his job. Totally. Um, Samsonov, if we're going to go by that one game uh, that he faced against Detroit, kind of looks like the Samsonov of old, and if yeah. he said, if Joseph Wall comes back and he's every bit as good as we saw at the early in the season, maybe goaltending's not the issue, but where would you see kind of the, uh, the need in the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is it on the back end, or is it somewhere up front? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see like a Chris Tanev. I feel like mm. for years that's what they've needed. Um, yeah. Goaltending is so all over the place that I think you could win a cup with Joseph Wool, just like Vegas won with Aiden Hill and Colorado won with Darcy Kemper. Right. Um, but Chris Tanev, I feel, would be that stabilizer that they've been missing since Jake Muzzin's been hurt long term. And the All-Star game or the All-Star weekend is coming up very soon. Fan voting now complete and uh, we also have most of the skills participants as well. So let's start off with the fan vote. Very Canada heavy. You got William Nylander, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley from the Leafs. Uh, you got Leon Dreisaitl from the Oilers. You have Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Brock Besser from the Canucks. Out of the skaters, the only player not on a Canadian team Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, much deserved there. We all wanted Kale McCarr there anyways. Mm-hmm. Goaltenders, Stasher Demko of Vancouver. But then you get Sergei Bobrovsky from Florida, Alexander Georgiev from Colorado, Jeremy Swimman from Boston. So how are we feeling at this point about the All-Star Game roster? It is now complete. You add those to the 32 originally announced. Any snubs? Anybody you wanted to see that's not there? Honestly, I think they got it right. And I, like, you know what? Based on this, let the fans kind of vote for major awards, Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go that far. But, like, honestly, um, when I'm looking at the names you mentioned, sure, Toronto heavy, Vancouver heavy, but let's face it, it's not like they voted in a bunch of third liners here. Right. Like, does anyone, power. Is it, yeah, is anyone going to really complain that Mitchell Marner is there or. Uh, that a William Nylander's there, or like a Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. Um, had they not been voted in, and we saw sort of a John Scott type of uh, vote guy get in, or even just someone who wasn't quite as worthy, 
uh, I think there would have been some uproar. So um, I'm happy with this. Um, I'm trying to think who, who were snubs. I can't really think of any ones off the top of my head, like uh, maybe a Miko Rantanen that is was not the one, there. Yeah. But you've got how many? We, we you've got counting. three abs already, and McKinnon, George Evan McCarr, so it's like, all right. Yeah, you can't really complain there. And, like, yeah. it would be nice to have uh, Artemi Panera in there, but at the same time, he took himself out of that because his wife is uh, due to expect it. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I've got no issues. And, and, like, the only issues you're going to say is probably, like, okay, um, look at who goes for Columbus. Or mm-hmm. um, if Connor Bedard doesn't go, who are the Blackhawks going to send? And there's a couple of um, – iffy kind of all-stars, but then that goes back to the whole thing. The NHL um, has to have a representative from every team, so I'm not going to change that. Yeah, indeed. Now, we were talking about this just before we came on here. Uh, Connor Bedard, obviously, he's got that fractured jaw, uh, but he has skated already. So I wonder, you know, does he show up? Obviously, he's not going to be a full participant, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I wouldn't even expect him to do media day because talking, probably not his strong suit at this point in time. Probably happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He'd be like, I'll show up. I just won't talk because my job, yeah, what are you going to do? Austin Matthews is saying the same thing. Yeah, he's like, "Eh, we all got fractured jaws on Thursday. (laughs) Um, But in terms of, like, the game itself, I mean, it's basically non-contact. You don't have to have him for a bunch of shifts. Do you think Connor Bedard would will himself to All-Star Weekend. Yeah, knowing what I know of Connor Bedard, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets on the ice before the All-Star game. He's that sort of, that's how he's wired. Locked in, yeah. Yeah, his, um, so he's on the ice right now. He's not taking slap shots, according to Luke Richardson, the head coach. He is not able to clench his jaw, so um, he's not doing anything too arduous. But he was on the ice for 45 minutes the other day. And you know what, if I'm Connor Bedard, this might be the only time I get to at an all-star game where you know Sidney Crosby's going to be there right Connor McDavid his idols there uh, Austin Matthews so I think just for you know as a rookie this is what you kind of work towards and these are this is the dream of being in the same dressing room as some of your heroes mm-hmm. um, getting some pictures maybe getting a signed stick um, I'd be surprised if he's not there mm, right on and if I may be saucy for a second not being able to clench your job must be really hard when you play for this year's Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> especially when you can't get when you're the best player and you cannot contribute Hawkburn. Um, moving over to the skills competition so there's one more fan vote to go right now there are 10 players that the NHL has locked in for the skills competition. Can't argue with any of them. David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Jack Hughes, Nikita Kucherov, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Elias Pettersson. Two slots to go. All right. Fans are voting on it, but who do you want to see in those two slots? Okay, so fan voting closes on Thursday, uh, so get your votes in. Um, we were kind of debating this. I- I'm going to say, okay, so we got Jack Hughes there. Yep. Let's put Quinn Hughes there as well. Let's do it. Uh, double Hughes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what events I want to see Quinn Hughes in. Um, some S- sort of... Skating pop- for sure. Uh, fastest skater? I, I think so. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, there's that one where you have to kind of go around like an obstacle course. I think you'd be primed for that one. Definitely. Um, any sort of passing kind of uh, competition. Certainly. 100%. The other guy... Um, 
just because I want some competition for Connor McDavid in the fastest skater, let's get Matt Barzell there. Nice. Yeah, he's got wheels. Um, I need a ringer there, okay? Right, right. (laughs) Like I said, I need need some competition because out of the guys that you mentioned for fastest skater, I don't know who's the competition for McDavid. It might be McKinnon, McKinnon maybe, be. maybe McCarr. Yeah. Uh, but Bazar- Barzell, I think that's an actual threat. Yeah, and Barzell also fantastic passer. So yeah. Oh, he's just a skills like coming out of everywhere. Exactly, exactly. For me, I want to see Sidney Crosby. Oh, yeah. Because, as you mentioned, you know, like, how many more All-Star Weekends will we be blessed with number 87's presence? We don't know at this point. Everyone is a gift. And I will say, last year in Florida, Crosby kind of got ripped off a bit. He was a very good sport. He took part in that dunk tank um, skill that they did, which was pretty good. I was there at the taping, yeah. and um, how does it work again? I, I, I'm was trying little, to like remember what the dunk tank uh, there was a little was. bit of a flaw because they had surfboards that they had to hit with pucks. Okay, but what they didn't show you on air was that the surfboards on one side went down a lot easier than the other side. So the team <laughs> on the one side always won. Controversy. They fixed it eventually, but Crosby, uh, he was with Nathan McKinnon. They were on the wrong side, so Crosby never got to shoot. He uh, sat in the dunk. He sat in the dunk tank, but they got eliminated, so he never got to shoot. So I feel bad for Crosby because he was like, "Oh yeah, I want to take part. Like I want to do this," and he kind of got ripped off. So I want to see Crosby in it. I also want to see Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota mm. because, like you were saying with Barzell, here's a guy with skills all over the place. Yeah. I think he would have a lot of fun with it, and just I mean, anything with his hands is going to be fantastic. So Could that would be, be my. Who do we think wins this thing? And it's uh, sort of kind of, you can't just dominate on one skill alone. That's like, true. Are we handicapping this? Like, who's our favorite? Because I'm going to say, I'll start and I'll give you some time to think about mm-hmm. it. I'm going William Nylander. Like, it's been such an amazing year for this guy, beginning with the going over to Sweden, mm-hmm. obviously tearing it up offensively this year, gets the big contract. I think he might be the most popular player. Um, going into this thing in terms yeah. of who the fan like I don't know who the fans are going to cheer the loudest for but William Nylander is probably going to be in the top three Certainly. I could see him just destroying um, the competition here yeah that's a good one because he's got a pretty good all-around skill mm-hmm. set when it comes to offense I would argue he's one of the smoothest skaters out there maybe not yeah. the fastest but in terms of his edges yeah so I would, I would look at Kale McCarr because he is a fast skater and he obviously does have great hands. Sneaky one, Leon Dreisaitl, because he's got a lot of power. So, mm. you know, and this is like not a big hardest shot crew, you know, if you look at this group. Yeah, I don't know who's the favorite there. Is it Matthews? Is it uh, Cooch? Because Matthews is more released than heavy. It's more so wrist shot, know. too. It's certainly more wrist shot. So accuracy, hey, that's great. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, Kind of feel Leon Dreisaitl on that one. All right. So little we shall Toronto see. Edmonton battle. Exactly <laughs> what everybody wants, uh, unless you're from like Calgary, right? <laughs> we are pleased to be joined by Vancouver Canucks site editor Adam Kurzenblatt. How you doing there, Adam? Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me today. All right. Well, I love the jerseys you got in the background, and you know how can you not love what the Vancouver Canucks are doing these days? Once again, still leading the Pacific Division. Despite, you know, the underlying analytics maybe not being in their favor. And, you know, we talked about this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Three months in, 
this is not a mirage in my mind. Yeah. Uh, how are you seeing things, Adam? Because a lot of people keep saying, you know, eventually the Canucks are going to come down to earth. What is your opinion on this? Well, the thing about Vancouver Canucks on the analytics is that because they're leading so often, they have a tendency to kind of sit back in the third period. So you won't see as many shots and that really changes how the analytics are viewed. Um, because if you're getting, you know, outchanced in the third period because you're holding a three goal lead, uh, eventually those chances, those high danger chances, their totals are going to add up. But I think the big uh, talk around analytics is the PDO. And that has to do with the same thing. You know, the Canucks are cashing in early. They're developing three, four goal leads going into the second, going into the third. And then they're kind of sitting back. So you don't see that shot total but their goaltending is still very strong. So the save percentage is going up. The shop shooting percentage is going up. So there are reasons for the analytics not being at the top of the league. And those are actually positives and really demonstrate just how dominant the Vancouver Canucks have been this season. And Adam, you know, we were talking about this on a previous show. I think JT Miller is still shooting around 20%, uh, <laughs> but he is, I mean, a top end player and has been for years now. What have you seen from, from JT Miller that has made him so successful? Well, the one thing about JT Miller is that he really listens to Rick Tockett and they have a great relationship. There's been a couple times this season where Rick Tockett has talked about how him and Miller have gotten to heated uh, debates and conversations about what to do next. Miller's a very passionate uh, hockey player. We saw in the postgame comments after Columbus, you know, uh, they didn't play their best and Miller made that very clear. Like this is that they have a standard that they want to uphold. And he's part of that reason that they're at the top of the NHL standings. You know, he's improved his defensive game. He's really set up his offensive game uh, very well. Uh, he's over 50 points this year, over 40 assists this year. He's uh, one of the leaders on this team and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. This whole Canuck team is kind of tired of losing at this point, and you can really tell it this year. Like The focus is we don't want this to be like another year. We're going to do everything we can. We believe in this team, and yeah, JT Miller is one of those passionate leaders that is going to lead the charge uh, night after night. Another guy who's leading the charge and has been doing that since the beginning of the season is Quinn Hughes, Adam, and... uh... Right now, Quinn Hughes has a one-point lead on Kale McCarr for uh, all defensemen in scoring, kind of leading that Norris Trophy race. And a report uh, came out this week saying or suggesting that at one time, uh, Quinn Hughes, someone within the Vancouver Canucks organization, was trying to convert Quinn Hughes into a center. So, you know, Quinn Hughes might have been uh, challenging for... um, you know, the Art Ross Trophy right yeah, now yeah. and uh, the Hart Trophy, maybe even a Selkie. Challenging Jack Hughes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what did you make of that report? And, you know, uh, you know argue me, uh, argue this point. <laughs> Is Quinn Hughes uh, maybe um, not being utilized to his fullest by being a defenseman there, Adam? <laughs> well, um, for those who don't know, Quinn Hughes was a forward until he was 13 years old and um, essentially only became a defenseman because his team was missing too many players. And then he went on defense was um, awesome at it and basically said, this is what I'm going to do. But I'm, I don't think that Quinn Hughes would have the type of impact that he would as a forward uh, from the defense, because you watch how he controls the play. He is that quarterback on the blue line. You know, he can make those passes. We've seen him take his shooting to another level this year. 
his defensive play has really stepped up. Um, and you can, you can see those uh, areas of his game where being on the blue line really helps. You know, he, it gives him more space. He can come down to the goal line if he wants. He can do those circles. We saw that kind of in the New York Islanders game where he scored a beautiful goal. Uh, I personally don't see him as a forward. Uh, I love him on defense. He could be a heart finalist on defense. Um, like you said, are arguably leading the Norris uh, trophy race at the moment. And, uh, you know, with Miller and Elias Pettersson down the middle, as well as guys like Brock Besser, uh, I think the Canucks are okay at the moment um, with their forward group. Maybe Fair Jack enough. Hughes should be a defenseman, Ryan. And maybe that's the uh, question we should be asking. With Dougie Hamilton out, yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, one player that we know is solid in his position is Thatcher Demko in net. Um, I would say definitely one of the Vesna favorites at this point. Um, in a league where goaltending seems to be a roller coaster, how important has Thatcher Demko been for this Canucks team? Well, Demko, like, this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people have realized is that Demko has been this good for a while. It's just that because Vancouver hasn't been in a playoff race for a, um, a while, it, he kind of gets overlooked, but he has been spectacular so far. Casey DeSmith has been one of their best pickups. So you have this one-two tandem that's maybe one of the best in the league. You probably put Boston a little bit ahead of them, but they're definitely in that top three. Uh, but yeah, Thatcher Demko, potential Vesna trophy finalists. I, I think that Connor Hellebuck has it wrapped up uh, unless something completely goes off the rails, but he has been such a massive part of this team. Like you said, when they're up three goals, four goals, and the analytics are heavily favored in the opposition, that's because Thatcher Demko is standing on his head or Casey DeSmith is standing on their on his head. So this goaltending, they've relied on it so much. As much as it is crazy to think, you know, they're constantly scoring five goals, but the reason they're winning 5-1, 5-2 is not necessarily their offense, but the fact that their goaltenders are making 30-plus saves a night. That, that offense is humming, and yet um, report coming out of Elliot Friedman uh, this week suggesting that if Jake Gensel doesn't re-sign in Pittsburgh and he's a, uh, his contract is coming up, that you know, the Vancouver Canucks might be interested in uh, another high-scoring winger. Obviously, there's a connection there with, GM, or sorry, with Jim Rutherford, um, what's your take on that? And if it's not Gensel, um, what are the Canucks maybe eyeing as we get inch closer to this trade deadline? Well, it's kind of interesting how you look at the Vancouver Canucks because really what they need is a second line center. Right now they have uh, Pew Suter in that spot. He's been very good so far as a second line center, but I don't. I think that they might want to upgrade because if they can upgrade him, then they can really shore up that bottom six a little bit more. But I mean, anytime you get a chance to acquire a player with the skill of Jake Gensel, you go for it. Now, the question is, what is it going to cost? Is it worth going all in this year for Jake Gensel, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent and most likely won't resign in Vancouver because of the cap? Um, but also this relates back to the Elias Pettersson contract. You know, the Canucks need to know what Elias Pettersson wants to do before they decide to go all in. If he is going to decide that he doesn't want to re-sign in Vancouver, then that means we might see Vancouver more interested in going all in this year. Well, if he says, you know what, I'm going to stay here for four or five years, then we might see 
Patrick Alvin and uh, Jim Rutherford say, okay, we have a little bit more time with this core. So instead of going after Gensel, let's go after a player that has two, three years on their contract that can help them down the line rather than just this year. But I mean, the Pittsburgh connection is obvious. We've seen it all year. Guys like Casey DeSmith, Mark Friedman, all coming in with backgrounds in Pittsburgh. Uh, Rick Tockett has a history with Jake Gensel. Uh, so if that deal gets done, it would make a lot of sense. Um, and then it would also give the Canucks some flexibility in their top six right now. Uh, right now they were running with Elias Pettersson, uh, Andre Kuzmenko, Ilya Mikheyev as a first line. That's in, in paper, it's a good first line. It wasn't really working. So there were a lot of changes in that. But if you add Gensel in, you can maybe put Besser and Miller on the second line, Pedersen and Gensel on the first line, and kind of spread out that scoring a little bit more throughout the lineup. A lot of moving parts. Adam, we thank you for joining us on the Hockey News pregame show. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking more trade rumors, specifically who's buying and who's selling. Don't change that channel. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. And it is trade rumor time. As we mentioned before, we're starting to get into that season. Yep. Past the midway point, there's some teams that we know are contenders, some teams we know will not be contenders. A lot in the mushy middle, though, I will say. But we had the big trade recently. Jamie Drysdale, Cutter Gauthier. That kind of kicked things off. So let's talk about a couple of teams that could be intriguing. Calgary Flames, Ottawa Senators, San Jose Sharks. Calgary Flames are still kind of in the mix, and they have been showing life of late. But they also have a lot of key unrestricted free agents this summer Mm -hmm. that they could unload if they don't think they've got the horses to go all the way. So let's start with Calgary. If you're a contending team, who do you want from the Flames? Well, you mentioned them off the top when we were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Chris Tanev is probably number one for me. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know what, we're, we'll talk about whether Jacob Markstrom is going to be a fit for some teams. And it just seems like there's a lot of goaltenders out there. And you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. With Tanev, I know exactly what I'm going to get. Um, for a puck-moving defenseman, uh, he is the perfect foil. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think if he does get traded, Toronto is the most natural destination just because, you know, you've got Tree Living there. You've also got Brody there and Giordano there. So it's very much a homecoming for a guy who was born and raised in Toronto as well. So, um, And and you mentioned they're they're still in the hunt, the Flames, and I think that is going to be the wrinkle. Um, But there's a lot of teams in front of them. Yes. And... You know, the more you look at it, I think the Flames need to you know, get some value for some of these UFAs. Yeah, that's a very good point because you're not going to hold on to everybody. No. And Tanev, obviously a, a fantastic choice there. He will block a shot with his face. Yeah, You don't literally. even have to ask. Mm-hmm. He will just do it. Um, but another very intriguing defenseman for me is Noah Hannafin. And he's a pending UFA, uh, still pretty young. He's got some skill, good two-way guy, certainly mobile. Mm-hmm. For me, I could see this go down as a hockey trade, not necessarily a buyer-seller situation. Because if you're the Calgary Flames, we've seen some pretty good Noah Hannafin since he came over from Carolina. Right. I think he's, he's really grown into what we kind of expected he would be. He was a very high pick in his draft year. 
And, you know, maybe he wasn't, like, exactly the hype, but he settled into a pretty good NHL career. I wonder what happens, you know, whether or not Calgary is out of the mix, if they see a move where Noah Hannafin goes out and somebody comes in that maybe they're a little older, but maybe they're under contract for a couple of years, maybe mm-hmm. they, somebody that gives them a different look, I'd be very intrigued by that. Now, you mentioned Jacob Markstrom. That one's very interesting to me because, yeah, the goalie market, very strange this year. Markstrom, we've seen some extreme ups and downs the past couple of years with him, you know, whether it's Vesna candidate to never stops the first shot in the game <laughs> and, right. you know, gets ruined in a playoff series by the Edmonton Oilers. But do you think Markstrom could get moved? Because if I'm not mistaken, he's got a no-move clause. He's got a no-move clause, not like a limited no-trade clause where he's got to say, here, here's the six teams that I'm willing to go to. So right. this is a full new, full new move. He also has two more years at $6 million each yes. uh, remaining. So it's not an easy contract to move. Um, you're going to have to retain some salary, I believe, for a mm-hmm. guy who's 33 years old. And like you mentioned, um, some days looks like the Vezina candidate. Some days looks like a number three goaltender, honestly. Um, that being said, right fit, I think the Flames will go to him and ask, hey, do you want to be moved? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going to say, like, hey, we're, we're just sending you off to name a team, San Jose. <laughs> right, <laughs> Buffalo, Minnesota, Buffalo, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think it has to be the right fit. Whether, like, where would you see, like, the perfect fit for a guy like Markstrom? See, that's a tough one because he's got the ideal size, and we've seen him be an elite goaltender in the NHL, but you're not guaranteed that you're going to get that guy, particularly in the playoffs. So can you have a $6 million backup? Not really, especially if you're a contender. The only thing I could see is if somebody lost their starter long term. Uh, Actually, you know what? Okay, I take that back. Would Carolina do it? If they're not Ooh. sure about their goaltending situation, whether it's health, whether it's who the starter is going to be, would Carolina say, we're in our window, we, we can win it this year with everybody else we have? That, to me, would be intriguing. That actually is, that makes a lot of sense because uh, we don't know what's going on with Freddie Anderson in terms of when he's going to be back, even when he comes back. No offense to Freddie Anderson, but... But is he the guy? Is he the guy, and is he going to be healthy for the playoffs? Yeah. Like, he always seems to... Like, if he's not 100%, he ain't playing. Yeah. Um, And then we've got... uh, Oh, geez, what is the young guy's name that just Peter Kachetka. Yeah, you say his name whenever I say that guy. Right. (laughs) Um, He's out right now. That Carolina Hurricanes team is a goaltender away from being a Stanley Cup threat. Yeah. Shout out to Yanov Peretz getting the uh, so. the call up there. Quinnipiac Bobcats uh, national champion. Uh, real quick on Ottawa, Vladimir Tarasenko seems to be the obvious candidate uh, where he is on an expiring contract. He is a Stanley Cup champion from his time in St. Louis. And if you need goal scoring, Vladimir Tarasenko can help you in that regard. I feel he's probably the only one Ottawa would be really looking to move out. I think so. Um, that sends team. You, you look at it and you're going, yeah, they need to make some changes. The only thing I would say is, are they bold enough to take someone who's quote unquote part of the core? Mm. Um, and that's the thing. We always kind of like circle the wagons in terms of, okay, who are the UFAs 
And right. obviously those rentals are going to get moved. Mm-hmm. But more and more, and we've seen this the last few years, and it, particularly because of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas, a lot of teams are now trading for players with you know, some term, term right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's an advantage there. You're not just getting a, a, a rental, um, just someone who's kind of come in for the playoff run. You're yeah. going to get someone with a couple years left. So you know, don't be surprised if we see some names like that. And I don't know, maybe... I'm not going to say like it's going to be a Tim Stutzla or someone like that, but it, it, it could be someone with some term. Maybe. It'll be very interesting. Uh, San Jose. To me, this is pretty interesting because the Sharks, yes, they are awful, but they do have some interesting players. The one that I would be interested in if I was a contender is Anthony Duclair. Mm-hmm. He's got the wheels. He's got that offensive mindset. We've seen him go on long runs last year with the Florida Panthers. Uh, I thought he was one of their best players in the final. In terms of the style of game he was trying to play, seemed to me like that was the most effective. Uh, But real quick, who would you go for if you were mining the Sharks? If I was going to trade, uh, yeah. guys, basically the entire forward. <laughs> like, honestly, you got Mike Kaufman, Kevin LeBlanc, Anthony DeClaire, Alexander Barbanov, uh, heck, Justin Bailey, Ryan Carpenter. All of those guys are UFAs. Mm. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, it's a little tighter, but, you know, Honestly, if I'm the San Jose Sharks, I'm just looking at the draft and I'm just looking at how many prospects we can bring onto this team because, mm-hmm. you know, it's been ugly and the only saving grace is, you know, down the road you might get a Macklin Celebrini um, and you might be able to turn a Declare or a Barbanov and maybe a Hoffman into some more prospects. Yeah, fair enough. It is rapid fire time. All right, as always, producer Connor hit us up with some questions. All right, I'm going a little different than we usually do. Not hockey related, mm. you related. Let's find a little bit more about you guys. Starting off, what was your first job in the industry? So are we counting freelance as a job? We'll count freelance. Okay, so for me it was freelance because uh, other than like college newspapers, I freelanced until I got to the Hockey News. I've been with the Hockey News almost 20 years. Wow. But when I freelanced, I would write about like anything that I could pitch. So I wrote about like helicopters, which I don't know anything about, and planes. I wrote about music. I did some sports. Like whatever I could sell, I would basically go to the local magazine store with an idea, find a magazine that covered that, and I would just like cold call them and say like, I can write this. So that was the first thing I did before I got to Hockey News. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was at the Toronto Star, uh, the radio room. So if you don't know it, uh, there's a room. Uh, you're sequestered from everyone else. And there's a bunch of police, ambulance, and uh, fire scanners. And you're literally just listening to um, police talk on uh, the CB uh, all day long. So uh, mm. yeah, uh, did that for uh, a year while I was at school. Um, some overnight shifts and um, not too crazy. Uh, one time there was a, I think at Woodbine Racetrack, uh, there was a fire, um, killing a bunch of horses. I actually slept through that. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. Good job. Yeah. Uh, didn't last long in that radio room. <laughs> That's great start to your time in the industry. That's yeah. when I knew I wanted to be a sports guy. There you go. <laughs> what was your, what's been your favorite moment working in sport media slash sport journalism so far? Yeah. I would say there's been some like amazing World Junior finals, like the one in Montreal. 
I talk about this all the time between yeah, Canada and the USA. Yeah. That was like incredible to witness. Also, the World Cup of Hockey, uh, Team North America, the Young Stars, that game against Sweden, mm. where they thought they had qualified for the playoffs with that overtime win. Turns out they didn't. But the Nathan McKinnon goal on Henrik Lundqvist, possibly the wildest goal I've ever seen in person. And the reaction in the arena was amazing. So I would say one of those, yeah. Yeah, um, moments. There's been a lot of moments that I'm kind of proud that I was actually there for. Uh, one of the kind of more unique ones that a lot of people didn't get to do was the, the World Cup of Hockey. Um, everyone wanted to do Team Canada. Uh, I volunteered for Team North America, which meant I got to go do training camp. Uh, they were in Quebec City. Uh, it was great when you think about the players that were there. Like oh, we yeah. had, obviously Austin Matthews was a 13th forward, just taken on the team. It was, wasn't supposed to play. Ended up being on the first line. You had Connor McDavid. He had Mark Shifley. He just had a star-studded roster up and down. Um, I don't think we'd ever seen anything like it, and we'll, we'll never see like Canadians and Americans in a room together. And just being in the dressing room, watching that kind of go on, you saw the Americans kind of sit together, the, American, the Canadians sit together. Uh-huh. It was really unique. All right. Let's do, when did you know you wanted to get into journalism or sort of sports media, that sort of type of content? Yeah. For me, uh, it was very specific. It was like uh, sort of middle of high school. I think maybe it was like grade 11, because back then there was five years in Ontario. Mm. Um, But me and my friends started an underground newspaper. And that's when it really sort of hooked into me. It's like, I really like this. I really like writing. Um, At the time, it was like, I really liked kind of poking the bear and going after the establishment. Uh, But that's when it really kind of came into form. It was when we would hand it out and people would be talking about it all over the school. It's like, this is really cool. Like, not only am I writing this stuff, but people are actually reading it and are getting excited about it. So that's what I I knew when I, I wanted to get into journalism. Yeah, mine was roughly the same. I always knew I wanted to write. Um, Didn't know what I wanted to write, but then high school, I uh, interned at a a town paper. Um, They had me cover hockey. Uh, Funny story, uh, my first uh, game I covered, I tried to interview the coach uh, after the first period, thinking, hey, I'll I'll figure out what went wrong after the first period. So walked into the dressing room, went to the coach's office. I was like, hey, it's Michael Trakos. Can I ask you some questions about what went wrong in the period? He's like, get the hell out of here. He's like, no. (laughs) So yeah, that didn't go well. We have time for another quick one? One quick one. Yeah. All right. Two veterans of the industry. What's one piece of advice looking uh, for someone looking to get into it? For sports media, I would say like find your niche because whether it's women's hockey, prospects, whatever, find a lane. Yeah, be fearless. Uh, you got to write. You got to put your name out there. Um, you just got to do what you got to do, which yeah. is be involved. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, that's all the time we've got. Uh, Ryan Kennedy, Michael Trekos, this was the Hockey News pregame show. Thanks again to BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com for sponsoring us. And we'll see you next week at the rink.